Well, we are in the fourth part of our Colossal series. So if you had the version thing that uh, we talked about, and you have that rolling, you can follow in the notes there. You already got a nice little pretty bulletin that our office works on, so, and uh, you'll be able to follow in on the notes. Um, and uh, we are going to close out uh, Colossians. Uh, Colossians is a little book. You can read it 15 minutes, uh, but yet we're spending four weeks talking about it just simply because it is so, so, so rich. Well, the first three weeks, man, we're just talking about and the, the actual phrase, the supremacy of Christ, the supremacy of Jesus is actually in chapter one. And that's what the first three weeks are about. It's just that Jesus is it. Now, folks, church gets weird when we get off of Jesus. But when we stay focused on who Jesus is and what he is for us, then the purpose and the plan that God has for the church, it it flourishes and it thrives. In fact, if we want to see the church grow, Jesus said if he be lifted up, he'd draw all men unto him. So you know what? That's what we're about. We want to lift up Jesus and what he did for us and what he's doing in us. And, um, And so the first three weeks are all about Jesus. But guess what? Guess what? I say it all the time. It's an incredible thing that God would do something for us on the scale and magnitude of Jesus. It is just mind-blowing that he would give his son while we were still enemies to him to pay the price so that we could be reconnected with him, that he did it all. That's incredible. But you know what? He doesn't stop there. God wants to then, after he has rescued us and brought us in, he now wants to make us part of what he's doing. And he wants to like... Work in us and use us. Use broken old regular us. Isn't that just phenomenal? And so that's what this week we're talking about. I'm telling you, it all starts and ends and, and it thrives and lives in Jesus. But Jesus is now alive in us. And we have to have that God in us awareness. And then all of a sudden it begins to shift the way we deal with life. And so let's go ahead and crack your notes open. And I can see one of the biggest truths, or all of the biggest truths in life, often seem just really, really, really basic. But those basic truths are the foundation on which everything is built. Now, my my son, uh, my youngest son, Carson, yesterday, we had this little encounter, and he, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it cracked me up, because he didn't get his way. But he's like, but Dad, this will make a good church story. And I said, son, I'll probably use it at some point. He said, what about tomorrow? And then even this morning, he walks up, sees me. He got here a little later than I did. And he says, dad, are you telling it today? I said, I don't know. We'll see. And so I'll tell it. Um, but uh, my son, he, this is my kid that loves to work. This is a kid that when, for Christmas has asked for a shovel, has asked for a rake, has asked for a wheelbarrow. This is the kid that will sweep the porch for fun. This is a kid this week that pulled weeds because he wanted to. This kid likes to work. It's incredible. Yeah, isn't that great? That's God. He has all these video games and he's pulling weeds. That's cool. It blesses me as a dad. I can't take zero credit for that. God wired him to do that for whatever reason. But um, anyways, and so he, he, he dug a hole. And I dug a hole a few months back with a shovel he asked for Christmas a few years ago. And uh, so he dug this hole, and he dug it in a real inopportune place. Okay, Most holes aren't opportune, aren't well-placed, but this one was real bad. And we, we played basketball on our porch, and about four steps off the patio is this hole. And of course, you're chasing a ball, 
step in the hole and you can get ugly. So we're like, okay, this hole cannot stay here, kid. And um, so I tell him to fill it in. Well, he gets creative because it's his hole. He wants the hole. He worked on the hole. So he gets a, one of those little stepping stone things. And he covers the hole. So the hole still exists, but now nobody's going to break their leg off in it. And so he keeps it. And that's all fine and good. And then yesterday afternoon, he comes in and he says, Dad, I would like for you. He goes, first, he goes I know this is going to be, this is, you're, I know this is going to sound crazy. I'm like, okay, when a nine-year-old tells you that, you have no idea what's about to happen. He said, Dad, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I would like for you to sell me a piece of land. He said, I only need 12 inches. I said, what are you going to do with 12 inches with a square foot of land? He said, Dad, I just want it. I just want this. And then he says, now, wait a second, wait a second. Let me go get a tape measure. He goes and finds a tape measure, and he comes back. Dad, it's 13 inches. I need 13 inches of land. Well, then try to find out what chunk of land. He wants his hole. He wants to buy it. He wants to buy it for $5. I said, boy, my land costs a lot more than $5 a square foot. It is not happening. And, uh, and so he wants to do it because he wants to build. And he knows if he's going to have any ownership of and, and long-standing of the structure and whatever happens there, he's got to own it, okay? Folks, I'm glad he challenged me to use it because this is so true right here. These foundations... Folks, we have to own it. If we're really going to build on this, we have to own the fact that Jesus is everything for us. That he's the start, he's the beginning, and the end. This can't be something you just picked up on the way. This can't be something that somebody's just letting you borrow. It was not enough. His mama told him, look, it's our land. You just use it. I want to own it. He wants it to be his. He doesn't I'm not selling it. And, uh, but uh, he can use it all he wants. But that's the way it is. We have to own. So these truths, these scriptures, this foundation, folks, we have to own this. We have to make it ours. That's why God has done so much. He's put it in His Word. He, he confirms it through, his, through the, the Holy Spirit in our hearts. He wants us to make this our own. And ultimately, for those that have doubts, for those that are dealing, that owning part is the hard part. You have that thing of, okay, this is cool for you. This is fine for you. I don't have a problem with you believing this. But now, all of a sudden, now it's on me. Now I have to own this. And that's the, that's the challenge part of faith. If you're dealing with some doubts this morning, I want to tell you that God is patient with you. And that it's okay. He's not shaking his head at you, saying, I can't believe I've done all this for you. He has done all this. But you know what? God is patient and he is kind. And you know what? He will wait as you see that he is trustworthy. He will. He will. 1 Corinthians 3 says, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that's already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus is that foundation. Jesus is the, what we own. That's why Jesus is the starting place. We say yes to Jesus, and now we are in Christ, and now we have it all, and we spend the rest of our lives as believers, as Christians, as Christ followers, whatever you want to say, learning what we already have. Not trying to gain a lot more, just learning how to use what we've already got. 
And so as we're going through Colossians 4, Paul is wrapping this letter up. This is a letter to the church in Colossae. And he's wrapping it up. And he's got some things for them to do. Now, these aren't things that you better do this or you're not saved or you don't have a relationship with God. Or no, this is, just, this is just good things for us to do to build on the foundation of Christ. This is us being invited into it. This is us being invited into it. And one of the first things is, is keep the conversation with God going. We call this prayer, okay? But I wanted to put the word conversation in here. Because so many people can think that prayer happens in some holy place, at some holy moment, in some little structured way. And yes, those can be authentic, heartfelt prayers. But you know what? God meets us wherever. We see Jesus, he would just go and get by a tree and he would pray. Jesus was, was, was praying all the time. We see this over and over and over again. We've got to keep this conversation with God going. Colossians 4 says, devote yourselves to prayer. That's a pretty heavy word. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too. <clears throat> I love it that he says, and pray for us too, because th that shows that there's, it's okay that you're probably praying for the things in your own life. Don't feel guilty about that, it's okay. But you know what? Take the next step and pray for somebody else too. Include that. Let God expand your prayer life, expand the conversation where now you're talking to Him about some stuff that's happening in other people's lives. And that God may open a door for our message. And we pray for the, for the gospel, for the truth of his love and what he's done for us to go out. So that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. And pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Now folks, prayer again, it, it is just this conversation. And, and honestly, I, I was even talking with Don Glasser this week. And we were just talking about this very thing with, about prayer. And um, one of the most life-changing prayers I ever had, every good you know, old school Christian would have just been wanting to put their hand over my mouth and tell me I was just wrong and it was sacrilegious and it was just wrong because I was in a, I was in a, a tough, tough moment in my life. And I'm telling you, my, my prayer was R-rated because there was just riddled with four-letter words because that was where I was. And the Holy Spirit was, was moving on me and, and speaking to me and drawing me with His kindness and I didn't want it. Anybody ever been kind to you and you not want it? Like, look, don't be nice to me. Honestly, my wife told me that before. She's mad, I'm being nice. She's like, look, I'm not ready for your niceness yet. I'm not there, don't give it to me. I won't be sweet to you anyways because I just am. <laughs> all right, all right, y'all know me too well. And, uh, but that was just this place and it was just raw and it was just, and it honestly, that conversation with God changed the course of my life forever, forever. It wasn't anything that, I mean, if, if you put it on TV, you'd have to bleep it, but it was just, it was true. And now does, am I saying that's the way you ought to pray? Throw some little explicatives there and you'll really get God's attention. No, don't cuss out God. No. And that wasn't what I was doing. I wasn't being irreverent towards God. I was just frustrated. I was upset. I was just, ugh. And it just was honest. And that's ultimately, that's what we want. That's what God wants. Just be honest with Him. Be honest. Be honest with Him. And keep the conversation with God going. He doesn't want us to play religious games. He doesn't. He wants us to be real and have a relationship.
1 Thessalonians 5 says, Be joyful always and pray continually. This pray continually it sounds intimidating. That just means, I mean, my, my kids, they text continually. That's what happens. It's just this ongoing thing. You look like, it looks like they're doing homework. And, doing, and they are, somehow. They're doing it. But there's also this conversation that's going on. It's continual. Hey, what's up? And if you ever read it, it's like, makes no sense. You know, you think they're really saying something. It's like, hey, what are you doing? Work. I mean, it's just words. But it's this conversation. It's just going on. That's what we need to do with God. Keep it alive. Keep it real. The next thing we need to do is be wise. Listen to me. Here's Paul. And he's talking to a church. He's talking to a group of believers. Okay? We have to take this super, super serious. Be wise towards those who haven't placed their trust in Jesus yet. He left us as representatives of him. That's why we're Christians. Okay? And he left us as representatives. And we have, we have to think about that. And look, let's look at the scripture and how we're supposed to, to deal with this. Look, it says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Let's just think about this. Just you talk to the average person on the street, and you say, you're going to have a conversation with a committed believer, committed Christian. How are they going to interact with you as a non-believer? You talk about your life, you talk about the things going on, you talk about your decision making. How are they going to interact with you? I would almost guarantee they're not going to say, well, they're going to be gracious and they're going to purposely season their words so that they can properly answer me. Sadly, no. Sadly, no. So many times we can come across hateful and all of these different things. We've played the, the, the game of the craze. If I get in on the craze, I mean the craze is over, y'all. And so I, I played Angry Birds, and nobody plays Angry Birds anymore. And so but we've played the game Angry Birds. And um, so and uh, everybody just loved the, that game and uh, the game Angry Birds. Well, I think on YouTube, I'm pretty sure that somebody leaked some test footage of some testing of a new game called Angry Frogs. I love that part. It's the end. It's the end that just gets you. I just love that. That frog's like, ah, I'm eating something. And, and sadly, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, folks, if we don't watch the way we deal with it, somebody's going to end up making a video game called Angry Christians because so many times it's what we are. Instead of being graceful Christians, we can come across as angry, hateful Christians. And we should not be, we should not be a, a surprised with the fact that then the world wants to bite us instead of being invited in by us. 
And we haven't been wise with the way that we've dealt with it. Let's look here at Colossians 4. It says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Now, let's be careful with this word, okay? Let's think of it. We understand that when we say yes to Christ, we are now in Christ, okay? So we're insiders because we're simply have said yes to Christ, okay? Those that he's talking about that, that are outsiders, you know the only difference between us and them? Is they just haven't said yes to Christ yet. They just haven't said yes to Jesus. They're just not in Christ. That's it. They're not the enemy. They're, they're, they're the goal. Man, we, we were, we, we, God sought after us and he is seeking after those as well. So even though their worldview may be different than us, we have to make sure that we understand that we need to deal with them in a wise, wise way. It says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation. Your conversation, your words, be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so you may know how to answer everyone. I tell you what, if somebody is just driving you up the wall, and you're going to have two conversations. You're going to have a conversation with God, and you're going to have a conversation with them. Okay? You want to deal with all the frustration? I'm telling you, you deal with it with God. And you make sure that when you have the conversation with them, then all that's been poured out to God, and then you can deal with them in a gracious way. We just simply have to be able to do, to do that. Romans 2 says, When you, a mere man, pass judgment on them, and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness, tolerance, and patience? Look, he's saying, look, if you are get all judgmental and up in people's faces who are simply doing what they do, we church people call people who are outside sinners. Well, guess what they're going to do? They're going to sin. Why are we surprised by that? We're still getting that worked out of our lives. And so, but if we get all loving, we get all upset, and we get all judgmental, then we're actually showing contempt. Our judgmental attitude is showing contempt for the riches and the grace and the kindness and tolerance and patience of God. We're not showing contempt towards them. They feel the contempt. We're showing it towards God's grace and his love. We've got to be at this place where we exude who's alive in us. God himself. Ephesians 5 says, Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of opportunity, because the days are evil. I love it that he puts that in there. Guess what? Junk. Ugly, evil stuff is there. Don't be surprised by that. Let's make the most opportunity. Come on. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Well, what is His will? His will is for us to love Him and to love others. It's all boiled down to that. Let's do that. 1 Corinthians 10 says, If some believer invites you to a meal and you, don't want, to <clears throat> and you want to go... Eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if anyone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then don't eat it. Both for the sake of the man who told you and for conscience sake, the other man's conscience sake, I mean not yours. For why should my freedom be judged by another man's conscience? Now you say, why do you bring this in here? Here's, why, here's, why, here's where we're taking this to, to this level. Okay? When all of the, the gospel started going out, it first went to Jews. First, it was to, to the Jewish people. They were looking for the Messiah. They're like, whoa, ho, he's come. He's here. He died, risen again. Let's place our faith in him. First went to the Jews, and then it began to go to the, to the non-Jews. 
Well, the Jews lived a certain way. And they initially were wanting to try to make the non-Jews live the same way. And they realized, wait a second, this isn't cool. We don't need to do this. So then they were figuring out kind of what we should do. Okay? And some of it that they decided, this is what we're going to do. And they talk about it in Acts 15 and Acts 17. Well, this is what we're going to encourage new believers who are not Jews to do. We're going to encourage them to uh, abstain from sexual immorality. Okay? Makes sense. Let's do this thing the way God designed it to go. And let's... uh, um, let's not uh, eat things offered to idols. Well, most of the stuff that was offered to idols took place in temples and that kind of stuff. And there was this stuff there. And if you were seen in there, if you were seen in there eating it, they, the whole culture and everyone saw you thought that you were worshiping that idol. So they said, don't go do it. Don't go to the free buffet at the idol. Why? Because we have we proclaim there's one true God and now you look polytheistic. So don't go in there and do that. Because it sends the wrong message. Because we proclaim that there's one true God. Now you're living. It looks like you're worshiping multiple. Even though maybe you're not. Maybe you just wanted a chicken leg. And there they are. And so. And uh, says. So avoid it. Don't go and eat stuff. Sacrificed to idols. Okay. But now he says. So that was one of the rules. Then they talk about it twice in Acts 15. Once in Acts 17. This was circulated all over the place. Don't eat food sacrificed to idols. But now we get over here into Colossians. And it's, apparently people were taking this too far. And somebody would offer them something. You'd try to show me some hospitality. And I'd go, now wait a second. Did you offer that water to idols? Well. <laughs> you know, and they're, getting a, they're just trying to be nice. And then they turn it into this like attack. And he's like, look, if an unbeliever invites you in, okay, you don't know how that food prepared. Maybe it was offered to an idol. You don't know. You don't know what's going on. But don't ask. Just eat it. It's okay. Don't ask. Don't go in there and try to figure out, was this offered to idols? You're, you're right with God. Nobody's thinking you're worshiping that way. Okay? Just eat it. Don't make it a big deal. Don't be offensive to this unbelieving person that's being kind and sharing their food with you. Chill. So here's one of these few things handed down. They said, don't eat it. And then now they have to put in parameters. Look, somebody offers it, you just eat it. Come on now. God's heart is for people. We can make these goofy rules about anything. Let, let's not get it wackadoo here. Let's, let's, let's stay on. And so that is what this is about. It's about people. 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 And because it's about people, then the next one is true. We need to encourage each other. Colossians 4 says <clears throat> that we begin to hit this place. And I, I, this is just amazing to me. Tychicus will tell all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, a fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. Tychicus is sitting, being sent, with the express purpose of encouragement. Okay? Now, travel wasn't cheap. It wasn't cheap. You didn't just you know, jump on your scooter and head down the road. It wasn't cheap. They're spending a lot of money. There's a big investment for Tychicus to go encourage these people. Paul uses this same phrase well, in other circumstances two other times. A total of three times in the New Testament that he is sending somebody with the express purpose to encourage. That should be one of our purposes. I think that falls under that dealing with people, our, our conversation season with salt. Let's be encouragers. 
Let's encourage each other. And I'm not talking about that little, you know, weird, you know, self-help thing. Let's all just say good things about each other. No, I mean, when there's something legit, let somebody know. Let somebody know. That's what we need to be doing. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. And then the last thing rolls right out of the encouragement, okay? Is to recognize the contributions that others make in our lives. When you read the rest of Colossians 4, it just reads, he's thinking and giving props to a litany of people. Tychicus was an, and Onesimus were already in the first little passage we read. Now we jump into verse 10. It says, My fellow prisoner, Aristic, <coughs> oh, I can't even say his name, sends us you, his greetings. So does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. Jesus, who's called Justice. Epaphras is mentioned in 12. Then <coughs> we have Demas is in here. And just uh, Nymphia there at the end. All of these people that are on Paul's team. He's just recognizing them and, and, and talking and people that were, are still there in Colossae and, and doing good things there. He says, instruct them and do this kind of stuff with them. And it is, it is a big, big thing. We need to recognize the contribution of others. Those that have helped you to get where you are, thank them. Those that, have, that show some encouragement to you, return it, reciprocate it. And then the last piece, and I love it that Paul closes with this, is we need to be reminded. Remember this starts grows and ends with jesus okay remember that it's all about jesus so guess what in all of this even with the stuff that's our, that's our role let's make sure this happens that we live in the grace never let this become a weight we do it out of the lightness and the life of the spirit not under the heaviness of some sort of rules and regulations colossians four eighteen says i paul writing this greeting with my own hand remember my chains and grace be with you Let's live in the grace. Because why? Because John 1, 16 says, From the fullness of His grace, we have all received one blessing after another. We've said it every week, that life in Christ starts, grows, and ends with Jesus. Let's choose to remain focused on Him, and you will truly build on a firm foundation. We say yes to him. We let him be ours. And, and, and we are his. And it changes everything. But folks that. That's the starting gate. That's where we get this thing going. Say so, well I, my, my life is too much of a wreck. I, my, my life doesn't look like a Christian. So I better not become one. What? What? No. We, he, he takes wrecks in. He takes us. He takes wrecked people. And he begins the restoration process. So it's okay. It's okay. It's okay if your life is a mess. It's all right. Just say yes to the grace and allow him his process that begins to change us oh, so beautifully from the inside out. And if you need to embrace that and you need to say yes to that this morning, then I just want to create a quiet moment here. We don't want to put anybody under a microscope. We want to create a quiet moment. And if that's you and you want to say yes to the grace of God. You say, you know what? I, I, I am a wreck. I need my, my mess to be restored. I need my life to be changed. I understand that Jesus has died on the cross for me. That he did death so that I could have life. And I place my faith in that. And if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. 